I almost like love giving people the bare minimum info, like have fun, practice a lot. That means whatever ideas and concepts they have, they can just fully explore those with no one telling them, oh no, your idea is wrong because of XYZ. The thing I figured out in lockdown was in this second episode of the FPV podcast I'm joined by yet another drone racing world champion who has not only helped to pioneer the future of racing but is also one of the most humble and down-to-earth people you'll ever meet. Today we're uncovering how he's made drone racing into his full-time career, how he constantly battles burnout and we even touch a bit on how he designs his FPV drones. Thanks for coming on today Thomas, really do appreciate it. Do you want to introduce yourself and also what you do in this wonderful world that we're in to the audience? Okay, so my name is Thomas Bitmata or BMS Thomas in the drone racing industry and I primarily race drones but I also do a lot of the design work and development work, testing, uh, cinematic filming. Uh, we have a YouTube channel which I don't think we've actually uploaded to in a few months so I've got to get back to that but yeah do a bit of everything and uh, enjoy all things fun, FPV and RC. Mate, mate, so do you just enter FPV drones, but I think you mentioned there you are also, you know, RC. What other RC stuff are you doing? Okay, so FPV is my main. That is basically what I do full time. But I actually started from fixed wing, and that's something I've been getting back into since around 2021. So flying like combat wings at the Flying Club. Lately, I've been really enjoying electric ducted pans. I have a 70 millimeter F-18 that I fly around sometimes, and then also an Edge 540 that I do uh, that I use for some 3D aerobatics, and that's been super, super healing, super, super therapeutic. Doing that like once a week, mixing in with some uh, FPV acro and drone racing. That's sort of the main RC stuff I enjoy. Very occasionally in the winter time, I'll pull out an RC car and do some drifting, but uh, I don't really have the room for that, so. Yeah, I can I can imagine there's uh there's quite a few drones around at your place, uh, and and obviously fixed wing takes up quite a bit of space. Yeah, I gotta probably move on a few planes soon. So one of our one of the guys at our local club, he actually has a YouTube channel, Aussie RC Airspace, and uh, I think Aussie RC Playground is his car one. He's a really good pilot, and he has a really bad habit of selling you with how good his bloody flying is. Like you'll see him fly a plane, and he like he like flies planes flies around, figures them out, tunes them up, and then sells them and gets a new plane. Like, he just loves the experience of trying a new plane and figuring it out. So he'll fly this thing, get it dialed into absolute perfection, and then say, oh, yeah, I'm going to sell it next week. And then I'll go, I'm going to sell it. I mean, don't mind That's if I real do. Tempting. So I'm like, That's real tempting. Yeah, I've just became like a secondhand storage between myself and dad. So we've got like four of his planes already. That's sick. That's sick. So what is, is the is the fixed wing side of things? Is that more just like hobby then and just for fun? Or is there like some aspect that you could get into with that at some point, like racing or whatever? Is there is there a racing scene for that side of things or not really? There is a racing scene, but it's really small. It's one of those areas where I think there's so much potential and I really would, I think I might have mentioned it to you actually at the NZ Urban that I want to create a fixed wing air race. Um, it's just one of those things where I think the barrier of entry is a little higher in the sense that you need a lot more airspace to fly a plane. So it's sort of not quite like quads where you can fly them at least in a small park and sort of part around or if you've got a big open area, just absolutely send it. With a plane, you do need space to begin with. So I think that already cuts down the amount of people that have access to it, uh, even though the cost of entry is pretty similar. That's fair. That's, that's, that's fair. That's a fair point. So I guess... Let's look, let's have a little chat about your FPV racing because obviously that's your main gig. So 
what sort of what sort of racing are you doing and like i mean obviously i met you at new zealand opens and as far as i know you don't live in new zealand so like obviously you travel around a bit um what sort of you know let's have a chat about some of your racing side of things Okay, so for the racing side, I mainly race open class. So that's sort of your traditional five inch racing drones. Uh, there might be, depending on the race, uh, you have to have carry LEDs or maybe like a power limit or a battery size limit. But in general, it's pretty flexible, the rules. And I do a lot of sort of single event racing. So not championships, but say like the International Open, the Multi-Ship International Open. Uh, a lot of the FAI races, so hopefully, fingers crossed, going to make it to the grand final this year. And I believe they also announced another race in May in Korea that's got FAI points, so I might go uh, hop across the pond to Korea for that. And then, yeah, racing around. I'll be doing J a bit of Japan Drone League this year. That's really fun. So I do a bit of everything. Uh, I've done some league racing, like uh, DR1. So that was a team racing league back in 2018, where we spent six weeks in Europe. So I sort of just take on whatever sort of pops up that I feel like doing that I have the time for. Uh, I just love racing. So spec racing, open class, doesn't really matter what it is. If it has ball props and we can race it, uh, I'm probably going to give it a go at some point. Man, man, I love it. Why, why do you love racing? Like, what do you actually love about it? That is a really interesting question. So this is what I was thinking about a lot over the pandemic, because for me, racing wasn't even a thing you could make a career out of when I started flying, right? And there wasn't even really much racing at all. But then I sort of, the racing grew along my sort of entry into FPV and eventually that sort of intersected and that became the job that I do now. I think for me, what I love about racing is the precision flying aspect. Even before FPV, when I was flying fixed wing, I loved the idea of just trying to stay close to the ground and fly as precise as I can or try to like use the 3D airspace in a way that looks appealing to me. And then I enjoyed obviously the freestyle side, the close proximity flying or, you know, flying with wings through like between trees and things. And the racing is like the ultimate distillation of that, right? Where in normal sort of practice, you can just sort of, oh, I'm going to not fly this way. I just fly this way. It's more comfortable or whatever. But with racing, you're on a racetrack. There's a lap timer. It's very data-driven, and it's sort of very quantifiable, your progress. And so I think for me, that sort of instant feedback of I've done something, how did it work out in terms of lap time or how the quad's flying or sounding, I really enjoy that good to kick out of that. So I think I race as an outlet of my flying, and it's in the pursuit of trying to be as precise as I can in space and time. I love it. I love it. Wow, yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic explanation. That's really cool. Can I go elaborate a bit more? Oh, yours. Okay? Absolutely. Please do. The thing I figured out in lockdown was because I was doing a lot more cinema filming during the pandemic. And I was like, I'm really enjoying this. I'm loving this. What's going on? What do I want to do with sort of my FBB career? Where do I want to take it? And it was sort of that realization that I love racing and I happen to be really, really good at it. But at the same time, it's out of the love of flying, not the love of racing. We will have a lot of pilots in our club where they purely fly so they can enjoy the racing. Whereas for me, the racing is just that outlet that lets me fly as a full-time job and sort of lets me enjoy the precision aspect that I get from it. And then also, yeah, get to race with people, hang out. And it's it's all good fun. Don't know if I actually yeah, like that, but 
definitely I said that, but that's okay. It's well, no, you definitely summarized it though in the sense of like you know the fact of the actual racing side of things for you isn't necessarily because I was going to ask, does like is the competitive aspect against racing against other people is that like a big part for you or is it sort of more just a like you were saying an outlet for you and like a challenge against yourself on that side of things like that's sort of what i was interested in, in hearing about too is are you going into these races i mean obviously you're going in with a point of you know being competitive but is that like a big part as well are you like hyper sort of competitive and like always sort of in a competitive mindset or is it more against yourself that you're just trying to improve even in like these these hardcore races it's definitely started from myself and i think that came from the fact that when i got into the hobby there wasn't any racing so when i saw someone flying absolutely amazing that sort of inspired me oh i want to do that too right um that being said I think as time's gone on and it has became a career, I think my mindset did sort of slowly start to change towards a more like enjoying the competition or sort of like really pushing myself based on what others are doing. Um, I'm kind of trying to move away from that now because I'm not sure how sustainable that mindset is for me. So sort of going back to focusing on myself, just having fun, enjoying the fly. And then when it comes time to race, do the best I can with the knowledge I have and wherever it puts me, it puts me. That's epic. That's epic. Before racing, were you doing, so you mentioned you were doing like cinematic and like freestyle side of things. Were you making like any money through the cinematic side of things? Oh, very little uh, back then because um, it was really when it was just starting to get figured out that we can use these for movies and things, right? Um, I did a couple shoots for like a, dirt bike clothing manufacturer back in 2016 uh did a few other small things here and there uh but not the big stuff you get now with like movies and music videos um it was nothing like that at the time it was sort of just figuring itself out i think america was probably a year or two ahead of us where they were actually starting to pick up some interesting bigger time stuff but uh for me the cinematics were purely because i love cinema i love filmmaking one of the things I discovered actually uh, back over the pandemic, how much I love making YouTube videos and creating short stories. Uh, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a, an actor, actually. That's what I was sort of aiming at. So, and then, yeah, somehow ended up as drone racing instead. But uh, I do love that creative aspect. And it's something I do want to get back into at some point. Well, hey, there's, there's definitely going to always be um, space with an FPV, especially to, to keep like the creative aspect going. I think as we continue to... I mean, have these technology advancements. Like with DJI O3, for example, I never thought there would be a day and any time in the near future where I'd be like, hmm, the GoPro can stay at home. But now I'm like, hmm, the GoPro can stay at home. Like for my cinematic flying, O3 is like genuinely a game changer. And I, I feel like I'm the sort of guy that would look at footage and, you know, pick it apart and be like, oh, I don't like that little bit of graininess in the shadows. But like just the fact of, like the way that things are going ahead, it just creates more opportunities for us as creatives and pilots to be able to have more creative control. Like, do you, do you get what I mean there? hundred percent. If I mean, even back in 2016, when people started playing with digital links, I remember dad and I thinking this would never take off just because, you know, you look at the tennis, right? And then 
they have their fully controlled environment and their broadcasting cameras would cut out still like quite often throughout their, their you know their normal tv streams but the fact that technologies came so far where it's not only like a hd digital link it's a hd digital link that's pretty well relentless it really very rarely breaks up and it's low latency which is just insane i can't i haven't got dji uh oh three yet but i plan to build a setup with it because i really want to dive into more of that sort of uh, acro just exploring again like the old days or for me the old days where i sort of don't go out to parks and sort of enjoy that adventure much anymore um I really want to dive back into that. So that's uh, on the cards of one of the things I need to check off and uh, enjoy. That's epic. That's so like, did you, what, what sort of, what sort of stuff did you start off with then? Uh, like, you know, what sort of flying, obviously you're doing freestyle and cinematic, but you know, where are you flying back in these old days? Are you, are you just going down to like, I mean, parks or are you like going out to, you know, like beach fronts and shit? Like what, what are you, what are you sort of doing? Absolutely all of the above. So you know, in the Pixwing days when we used to go exploring, uh, we were really fortunate. One of our friends, uh, our FPV friends, knew, like had a neighbor that had like a 10 acres of property or something. Was it 10 acres or was it 10 kilometers? No, it was 10 kilometers of property. It was like 10 kilometers by like five. Massive area. So we used to fly around there, do all our range testing. Then we got to like reserves and things and do like pre-planned flights and formation fly. And say there'd be like a closed road with, the um the lights like you'd fly like in between the lights in the road and sort of like stay close hugging the ground that's what we used to do and then when the drones came out it was the same thing but now we had the luxury of sort of flying in really tight areas so instead of having to travel an hour away to fly a fixed wing plane now i could go just off the road on the way to school and quickly fly in a small park or you know go somewhere bigger or a car park really whatever i felt like so it was sort of a flying anywhere and everywhere if you saw something that looked cool and nobody was around then you'd just sort of enjoy it and uh yeah some pretty pretty fun videos back from like if you go back on our youtube channel to like 2015 and earlier um you sort of get the sense it was like a whole different vibe where there wasn't even i was something interesting there where you mentioned like oh you did like acro and cinema and then got into racing back then there was like no distinction you just flew like, if you're a pilot, you did That's crazy. everything, and it was no real distinction. It was like, oh, yeah, it's like you get, like, a random Facebook message. Oh, we're going to be at a park at this time. Did you want to come hang out? Oh, yeah, okay, we'll go down and do our flying. And, hey, there's, like, three trees there. We should, like, see you can go around those quicker. Let's do it. It was sort of not really a organized thing, and there wasn't that distinction of what is this, what is that. You just, like, I think it was just all under the umbrella of close proximity flying because that was, like, the, the term we used to use in fixed wing where it was... Uh, like the TBS and that that would fly close proximity to, to objects and things. I definitely think that's still uh, quite a like it's still it's still a thing, not necessarily being so segmented because you know I go and hang out with a couple of mates that I've got here in Wanaka, and some you know sometimes we'll go with the intention of racing and we'll take the race skates with us, set them up, and just we when it, when I even say that though we're not actually timing ourselves, we're not even like actually racing each other we're just getting around the course as fast as we can that's like real fun to do yeah enjoying the track enjoying the fun at precision flying exactly exactly that and then and then on top of that there might just be a point of you know let's just go to this other spot we've got some some massive trees and let's just go do some like diving and just like freestyle around the place and you know it's just about hanging out flying the quads because that's what we love and then you know, if, if you get into the racing side of things, you get and have a little bit of fun competitively 
And then obviously, this is the question actually I had that I'm really interested in hearing about. How do you go from, you know, focusing on just having the fun side of things and then going into professional paid racing as a career? Like, what is that time frame and that timeline looking like? That's a really interesting one. Before I get onto that, I just want to touch on something you said. You nailed, like, everything I love about FEB is what you said about flying for the fun of it. Um, in Melbourne, there was a time where I think that, like, that segregation started to happen where there was almost, like, freestyles were, like, scared to go on the racetrack. It's like, oh, I'm not going to be, like, quick or whatever. It's like, no, no, it's a track. It's like flying through trees, but it's just gates and stuff. Just enjoy the, the fun of precision flying. And that's, I'm happy we're coming back around to that because... I just think it's fun, right? Just more people having fun, flying cool things, doing cool tricks with cool drones. Um, but yeah, as far as getting... Into and just hanging out. Yeah, 100%. Fly hanging out, having fun, precision flying. It's the best thing, well, I think, ever. But um, on the topic of switching to professional drone racing, back in 2016, I actually had an interview with ABC and they asked me if I'd like to do it. Uh, professionally at this time we're about to have the first australian drone nationals so they'd never been an australian nationals brand before only a year ago aofpb sort of governing body had been set up uh, and they said they came to the local club did like a quick interview and said would you like to do this professionally and as a kid i'm like yeah of course this is awesome you know you get to fly drones everywhere and do filming and racing that's the dream uh, but back then no one was doing it professionally there was like a couple pilots that had sort of had a crack at it and not sustained it at that time actually there was an american guy sean taylor who was running professionally he was probably the only one at the time and then another aussie guy rec rec that sort of on and off between having like normal work and then going into full-time racing uh for me that transition happened when so we did the australian nationals 2016 i managed to win that which is ridiculous didn't even expect that because we didn't really have a reference point of where we were but we just like had a relatively mistake-free run and managed to work my way up and somehow take the podium. So that was sick. That was crazy. Um, first time flying like the Impulse RC Helix. At that time, no one had seen it before. We just like kept it a secret. It was like the fairy tale story, right? Yeah. Um, that happened. That was awesome. That like set my motivation to like the moon. It was already like super high. There's a whole backstory behind that. But um, at this point, I was like, oh, I love racing. I really want to do this in a competitive aspect. Um, not knowing if it would be something I could do professionally yet, but just it's something that I wanted to do as much as possible. Uh, come around to 2017, we had the Multi-GP International Open, which, once again, I was aiming for, like, top 64, and then you made it through top 64, and then went to top 32, and I was still in. Top 16, I'm still there, and then, you know, had the finals, and I think I won by, like, 0.2 of a second. It was, like, nothing. It was like neck and neck the whole way to the finish line. It was like four overtakes in the last lap. It was insane. Um, but yeah, somehow made it through at like 2 a.m. Don't even comprehend it. It was the craziest, most ridiculous environment and like one of the best memories ever to this day. Uh, but as a side aspect of that, uh, one of the pilots there was the son of the chairman of Mission Fruits. So Mission Foods, this, they do like uh, corn chips, all like different Mexican food products, right? Um, and he helped set up a headquarters in Australia, actually about 15 minutes away from where I live. So when um, he saw an article on Facebook of like this kid from Epping uh, 
went to big drone race and you know it's in high school and uh sort of just covering what i do and what the race was all about he contacted the marketing vp in australia and said hey we should uh get onto this and maybe like um sponsor this or sponsor drone racing uh mission foods is all about sponsoring like grassroots sports they do like a lot of like netball and uh they actually sponsor like aussie rules football um and a few bunch of other different things um and yeah they approached me and that was right on the day i finished my last exam in high school we got that phone call and so that sort of changed things where it was like i'm gonna take a gap year and try this full time um worst case scenario you know after a year i've had fun go back to university and or go to university and continue that path but uh yeah went through that year 2018 and made it through the other side with just enough money in the bank to go i'm gonna try it for a second year let's see how we go and uh yeah we're still here today still running full time somehow but uh it's been a wild ride it wasn't necessarily like a focused direction i'm going here um, I just wanted to race really badly and fly and enjoy all things FPV. And it so happened that the right opportunities lined up at the right times. Uh, and yeah, I was in the position to sort of take them. Uh, very, very fortunate. Really, really thankful that uh, that's how it happened. It wasn't necessarily an intentional direction. It was just sort of the opportunities would come and you just send it and pray for the best. I love that. I love that. That's so good. Cool. That's the the immaculate timing that was the last day of school and like you know what's so the last day of your exams and then bingo you have the sponsorship come through that that essentially carries you through that that first year i, I presume and how long how long have you been racing professionally now then i've been racing professionally since the start of 2018 so i technically you could argue like november 2017 because of the day after that exam like when we had the phone call and we spoke to them a lot after the fact of, okay, this is actually legit. This uh, At first we thought it was a phone call because dad used to do software development for websites. But they, we thought they were main part for that. But it was all about the drone racing stuff. So when that happened, uh, the very next day, first day after my specialist maths exam, uh, went out to the fly club and flew from like 9.30 in the morning to like 8 p.m mental it was sick like i just flew to the summer's gone it was like the first time i'd ever done that and it was the greatest feeling well maybe not the great like on par with like ire and first nationals like it was one of those moments where it's like holy crap like i'm i'm doing this this is actually like reality well it's, it's got to be a surreal feeling not necessarily even just doing something that you love but you know knowing that hey there's a potential that this can turn into something i like that I, that I just get to do every single day. I get to fly like this every single day, you know? Uh, like, that's that's got to be a pretty surreal feeling. And, and you'd be on a pretty high buzz of getting a sponsorship and all that side of things because it's all, I'm presuming that was all brand new to you, the whole sponsorship side of things. Is that like the first time you got a sponsorship or were you involved with sponsorships for like flying beforehand on, on freestyle or something? Um, we had part sponsors at the time. So 2017, we would have, 2016, I got, uh, Impulse RC as a sponsor and HQ Prop. So, um, that's all part sponsorships, but then we like would work really closely with them. And, um, for example, when Impulse was developing the Helix, they actually flew down with the first prototype for me to fly, which is like mind blowing, right? So that was already crazy. Um, and then in 2017, we accumulated a few more sponsors, uh, like Boxia. Uh, TBS, 
I don't think we had tattoo yet. I'm trying to think of who are our sponsors that we have at the moment. Um, but we, 2017, a lot of people came on board as hobby sponsors, but then Mission was our first time dealing with a corporate sponsorship. So, which is very different because it's all about the branding, obviously, because they don't, they don't manufacture drone parts, right? So it's like, you know, so we racing their product. It's more of a sort of a co-branding and it sort of also worked out because I was eating Mission chips beforehand. Um, it was a big motivator though, definitely to have that new experience and to also have them pretty flexible because we were like, we've never dealt in this sort of capacity before. We don't know how this works, what you guys want, what you don't want, but they were really flexible and sort of teaching us how they operate with the various other people they work with and, um, sort of how we can integrate with that system and also how they can contribute to the FBB scene. So they do sponsor other clubs around Australia and they do also sponsor the Australian Drone Nationals, which is awesome. Absolutely pioneering. Did I answer the, uh, the question? The sponsorship. Yeah, I don't even know what the question was. I love it though. <laughs> okay, sweet. <laughs> I was just thinking, wait, did I go on a tangent? No, no, dude. Honestly, I'm I'm stoked. It's 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 really cool to hear, like, because it's all such a such a new thing. Like, this is you know, this is only five five or so years ago. Not not even five years ago, right? Like, it's not actually a a, a long term thing. And realistically, this is the first time that you know as you're saying racing is getting started and, and this whole this whole new avenue of of a paid uh you know of a paid career within a brand new hobby realistically it's it's crazy cool to hear like sort of the origins almost i guess you could call it yeah i mean it's just crazy when you think about how many other sort of rc sports there are like you got the 3d heli flying um your f3a pattern flying the you know, all the aerobatic side, uh, RC cars. And there are a few, I think, professional RC car drivers. But I don't think there's been an RC industry that's been able to support so many pilots. And especially in such a short turnaround where you sort of go back to like pre-2011 and everything was DIY then. There were no specialist parts. Everything's cobbled together. You build it yourself. Like down to all the video transmitters, you're hacking the parts, security cameras and things, right? Um, to all the 70 passports to 2014, there are now dedicated like hobbyist drone parts. And then 2016, first ever Aussie Nationals. 2015 was the first ever US Nationals. And then 2017, first ever multi-GPIO. And then from there to, you know, corporate sponsorships coming in. You've got DRL that's paying pilots to do their drone racing. And um, DCL's coming online. So to have such a massive growth, and have that sort of sustain where you can have pilots make a living off of, you know, flying these drones around for racing, not even just the cinema side, but actually in, in a racing aspect. It's, it's crazy. It's a, uh, it's surreal. And, um, it's one of those things that I guess, you know, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> no, it, it, it really, it really is cool. And I guess something cool to touch on here too, would be the fact that not only is this, a, a brand new side of things with the racing aspect, but you've actually introduced your own um, frames and your own parts into the hobby now as well, which which are commercially available, like to buy online, you know, to buy from stores and stuff. It's like, so what's what was your thinking going into that? Why do you start designing your own frames? Right. Okay. So bit of story time for this. The pilot that got me really hyped to get into FPV was Stunt Double FPV back in 2014 at the first ever Melbourne multi-rotor meet. Uh, and the second one, the second Melbourne multi-rotor meet we had, I think, in 
like 2014 of March was uh, when we had our first sort of race. And I was like, I came 16th in that with a drone that we built like 24 hours beforehand, like the day before. And uh, I was like the, the slowest of the people that made it, like everyone below me DNF. Um, but that guy, Stunt Double, used to custom build everything. So he would like custom, like he'd get the carbon fiber and actually cut it by hand. Um, and I thought that was so cool. And he'd always have these like customized uh, race drones of like different from anything we'd ever seen. Or his, you know, field drones he'd use like flying with the GoPro on. They were also like radically different from whatever else was on the market. And that, I guess, got me hyped on sort of the custom, like, I want to build this myself thing. Um, same with the RC planes too. Dad used to scratch build RC model aircraft. So I've sort of always came from that background of I love designing. I love making things. I used to love Legos and making paper planes and origami and paper crafts. So for me, I've always been into the development aspect. I think it's part of what made FPV so appealing in that not only could you fly the thing, but you could also create it and play with it and tinker with it and sort of yeah, do your own research and development and do your own sort of uh, learning on what works and what doesn't. And so for me, the parts that we make are more out of something that I do out of sort of the love for it, right? Uh, realistically, what I should be doing is focusing on training and being like like maxing out my training time, but I do tend to get lost in the design work. Like even on the weekend, we built a new prototype drone just to see what the result would be. I should have probably been training, but it was like, now nah, I want to test this idea. I want to know if this works or not. So, you know, hopped on CAD, designed something up, got it cut, and then uh, had it flying yesterday. So And crashed it yesterday. <laughs> so, <laughs> how, how, did that, how did that design go for you? How, well, actually, that's, that's, a, that's a really interesting thing. How many, how many designs are you making? Like, is this, is this a new design each week sort of thing? Or like, what, what sort of, what's the process of that? It goes on and off. Like, I think probably the biggest gap I've had in designing was probably six months since I've turned pro. Um, but then when you get stuck in a design, you usually don't get it right the first time. So you might design three or four different things and then have one of those ideas that's like the core of it's actually really good, right? And then from there, you develop that further and maybe, you know, hit some roadblocks and pull some bits from the other designs you're working on. It's a lot of that sort of, I would say with design work, 95% of it is thinking and just concept. And then eventually, like that very, very small percentage of the time, you get something that you're like, okay, no, this is really good. We need to actually commit this to a real design. Uh, one thing that's changed for me now, probably where more of my designs are actually making it into the real world, is now that we've got uh, CNC routing at home, laser cutting, 3D printing, vacuum forming, I can actually sort of test things that are pretty risky. Whereas before, when we were like, say, tapping into Impulse RC, you know, it's, it's their time you're sort of operating on, right? And as much as they never put any restrictions or anything on me on what I can do, you sort of, you know, you don't want to waste their resources, right? So you tend to do things kind of safely, uh, sort of more thought out beforehand. Whereas now, like the design I made this weekend was something I would never make before. It was just like the most dumbest thing in the world. But I just wanted to test one thing. So I built this drone to test one thing, got the data I wanted. Been the drone, which was kind of sad, but then at least I've got that thought on now, right? And I know for the next projects that I'm working on, okay, I know how to sort of incorporate this into into my next, well, hopefully next race frames or whatever else I need. That's really cool. It's, it sounds like it's another creative outlet for you as well. It is. I really love it. I think that's probably the benefit and disadvantage of my brain is I love so many things. There are so many things I want to do. But I also have a habit of overcommitting and doing like everything. 
um, where rather than like specializing in one area. So I really want to, like I said, this year, I'm just going to focus on this, right? Like I'm not going to touch cat at all. And then I've probably spent like a good, like probably month of time, like is in like work time, like work hours, just like on CAD designing things and building things. So I think it's one of those things I want to move away from so I can be a better race pilot at the same time. I get so much enjoy enjoyment from it that I don't think I can actually truly move away from it. I guess I guess you don't want to burn yourself out necessarily. Yeah. I guess like burning. What do, what do you burn out from racing? Is actually a, a fantastic a fantastic question. Ah, uh, definitely yes. I, I, yeah. I was told it was uh, from that Sean Taylor uh, Night Fury FBL. He talked about burnout with me a lot when I was sort of just turning pro and sort of things he's been through and how he's trying to manage it. We'd have a lot of heart-to-hearts when I would sort of, uh, when I just turned pro. Um, I think the biggest thing, and it's like, there's two things I think you need to be like quick and great at FPV as far as like a relative to everyone else's concern kind of deal. Um, you need to fly a lot, which is important, but more important than flying a lot, you need to have fun. And it's sort of being aware of when you're not having fun and working out what changes you need to make to keep it enjoyable, right? Um, I think I have a very bad habit of getting caught up in trying to progress and fast track my learning that I forget to enjoy the flying I have. And just like take a chill for like, I do this full time. I can blur like a few hours a day just flying at like comfortable pace and just enjoying the skills that I have. I tend to though get sort of lost in trying to like, you know, step up as quick as possible. So I think... When burnout happens, it's when you are not having fun. Have you have you had burnout multiple times, or is or is the same? Oh yeah, yeah, plenty. I managed to avoid. Right, yeah. I feel like I burnt out like already like four times this year. <laughs> like it just happens. You do that. You... Really? Yeah, but you have to. Um, I'm getting better at catching it, and instead of like just trying to brute force my way through, actually assessing what's going on and making a change even yesterday i feel like i had a mini burnout where i was sort of after i broke that drone i was pretty like demoralized because i was like i'm not crashing this drone i'm gonna fly it like really close to the little i'm not gonna crash it and i crashed it like maybe like 20 batteries into its flight right into its life right so i was pretty bummed out um crashed it damaged it uh had a real like drop in enthusiasm and it was like oh i shouldn't be feeling like this i'm at a field a really pretty field it's a lovely day this my emotional state doesn't reflect the life position I'm in, and so I ended up thinking about it a bit more. Realized I was actually tired and not the best night of sleep before. Went in the car, had like ten minutes, fifteen minutes of sleep, came out, and then just flew for fun. Like stuff, lap timing, stuff. Um, trying to nail this one area I was having trouble with on the racetrack, and I was like, let's not worry about that. Let's just fly because flying is bloody fun. I did that, and I like. On the first battery off of sleep, my average lap time dropped by like 0.3 of a second per lap. Like straight away. And it's not even like just that mindset shift. So I feel like for me, it's getting used to catching when it's like when I'm pushing it too far. Um, when I'm sort of getting lost in the data and forgetting that, hey, I'm a human. I should be enjoying what I'm doing. And then uh bringing it back to sort of grassroots and then ironically when you do that and you chill you end up just going faster and learning quicker so it's a fine balance but it's one of those things i feel like it's sort of inevitable um but i'm getting better at like catching it 
before it sort of spirals and go into not happy mental state. Yeah, that's that's definitely a that's a great point to to think about. Not even just for FPV, but for basically any hobby, like or or anything that you do within life, right? Like for myself, if I look at YouTube, you know, there's definitely points in time where I'm like, well, okay, I'm spending a lot of time right now, like doing a lot of planning, and I'm just kind of like this kind of sucks. And I'm like, well, hold on a second, I'm making damn videos that I'm like, I know I love this process, so like something's going wrong here. So it sounds. It sounds exactly the same as a lot of other things in life. And I guess it's, it must be kind of difficult for you at some points too, when you must like be able to say, you know, I'm, I experienced burnout and then other people are like, well, how do you experience burnout? This is like everything I've ever dreamed of. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where it's, no matter where you get, you can always see what the next step looks like. What, what's up here, right? Like if you could see here, you could see here. If you get your skill level goes here, you can now see here. And so you're always sort of chasing that. I think in the racing aspect too, this is one of the areas I was talking about, like my mindset changing as I became a pro pilot, where pre-2017, I literally just flew for myself, right? Didn't matter what anyone else was doing, I was just doing my own thing, and then, oh, it happened to put me in the right position to you know, perform well and put me where I am today. But then as you race more, you start to think about what other people are doing that you're not, right? Or, oh, so-and-so has access to this and I don't. Even though realistically, there's plenty of things that I've got that are my own benefits of my life position, right? But you get caught up in that comparison between yourself and others and feel like you need to like make make up for it, which is pretty unrealistic because it's like, you know, the playing set of cards that I've got to work with, you know, based on, you know, upbringing I've got and, you know, where I am in the world being in Australia versus say other pilots from other places around the world. Yeah, they've got things I don't have, but I've got things they don't have. Like if I try to play their cards, well, I don't have their card. They're over there. I'm over here. I need to like focus on my bit. So it's like trying to get healthy comparison. It's very easy to get lost in that and have very unhealthy comparison that sort of like beats you up mentally a bit um, and makes you sort of feel like you're just always falling behind. But uh, it's one of those things I've been really working hard to change around and bring it back to like, I call it 2017 mindset. Like basically, yeah, the mindset that I had back then, um, bringing the best bits of that with the best things I've gained in the last, like, what is it, five or so years? Take yourself back to your roots realistically, right? Like, go back to to, to know and understand this is exactly why I started, like, you know, and be like, this is, this is, this is, this is why I'm where I'm at, right? Yeah, and sort of remembering that, you know, at the end of the day, I got into this because it's fun. If I'm not enjoying it, like, Okay, do I change directions? No, I don't want to change directions. Why not? Oh, okay, I enjoy flying. Okay, well, let's work out how to make more of this more enjoyable and more something that I want to keep doing. Um, and the thing is, too, it's one of those, like, positive feedback loops where if you're having fun, you're going to fly more. You're going to fly more, you're going to get better. You're going to get better, you're going to have more fun. Like, you have to... It's sort of... Yeah, it keeps yourself sort of positive building up. Um, and trying to sort of hold that, I think, is... Or, like... Yeah, keep a healthy mindset is really, really critical and probably realistically 90% of probably most things actually. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure, dude. I mean, hey, if you have a if you have a uh, a harsh mindset on yourself, then then it's just gonna end up spiraling yourself downhill. And I guess that's where you get with burnout. Um I, I guess if if you look at this hobby, um, well, I mean, obviously for you it's a profession, but for a lot of people it's, you know, a hobby side of things and, and the fun of it. Um what would you say like, well, what, what would you say are some other mistakes or potentially other 
other things that you've struggled with aside from mindset with racing? Is, is, or is there anything else? Um, ooh. I mean, there's plenty of like skill things, but they're all very like personal, if that makes sense. Okay, I'll get it. Small tangent. I've got a really weird mindset with how I approach like explaining flying to other people. I sort of have this concept that the world is very fluid, very dynamic, right? Um, and maybe it's just because of like other ways I've been taught different sort of passions and things, but I almost don't like overcoaching or giving people like a mechanical principle of like, if you're here, do this, 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 and you'll get here. Because I almost feel like I'm going to box them in to that mindset, which might be a bit unrealistic to think of, but I'm always sort of paranoid that I'm going to like, say, give someone these ideas that'll, okay, they'll get them up to this level really quick, right? But then it's almost like you've gotten rid of their own individualistic ideas and concepts and so i almost don't want to hinder those because it's like that's the diversity that's what makes racing beautiful i think i love that right now in the racing space you've got so many different approaches to a race frame it's racing components and i don't want to like you know i don't want to get rid of those sort of like we look at maybe a lot of motorsports where things have really boiled down to specific formulas which is partly because of rules and things to keep it affordable but I love the fact that this hobby, there is so much diversity in the setups and approaches and styles. And I almost like love giving people the bare minimum info, like have fun, practice a lot, because it's like, that means whatever ideas and concepts they have, they can just fully explore those with no one telling them, oh no, your idea is wrong because of X, Y, Z. It's like, explore it, see where it takes you. It might be good. Either way, you're going to learn, right? And then, you know, that's where new ideas come from and new concepts and new designs and you know, new cinema, cinematic styles. I don't really, I hate the idea of the thought of boxing people in. I'm like, no, they're, they're boxing yourself in. Just like, do whatever you want to do and have fun. Dude, you're the absolute uh, most really humble racer. No, you're the, you're the most humble <laughs> racer. I love that. Like, you know, I guess I, when such a competitive sport, like you got to have a, a part of you that's like, you know, that, that understands, yeah, hey, I'm actually damn good at racing, right? Like, but like you are so humble, it's like not even funny. It's just like oh, I don't even want to tell people like what I would do because then it might sort of limit them. It's like that's that's crazy, and like that's actually really cool. But at the same time, so I, we I honestly appreciate that. Um, I think it's. I feel like I have self confidence in my flying. I think I just enjoy seeing other people's ideas. There, I don't know. I just, I like seeing what people create and what I like watching people's adventures. Um, I don't. Is this fun? I like. The fact that we're all different people, I think, is cool. If we were all the same, that'd be a little boring. And it really shows in the quads as well. Yeah. Well, dude, thank you so much for for coming on to the podcast today. Really, really appreciate your time. Um, and yeah, where where can people find you? Like, where you were mentioning you have a YouTube channel. What's your channel? Like, where can people go and go and actually okay. see your racing? So, uh, the main channel that you probably want to watch is uh, youtubecom web. That's sort of the channel that my dad and myself run, and that's where all of the proper polished, nice edits go. Uh, I do have a personal personal YouTube channel, BMS Thomas, and then the Instagrams are the same, so uh, BMS Web for the BMS Web Instagram, and then my Instagram's BMS Thomas underscore because someone else is BMS Thomas. So, oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's the socials. Uh, we have a Facebook group, BMS Racing, if you want to see some of the product development stuff we're working on, or if you've got a BMS product and you've got questions and you just want to share your love of, you know, cool tech that exists. Um, 
yeah, that's about it. Uh, keep having fun flying. And uh, also, Brady, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, dude. Thank you for coming on.